Hi, this is King in Final Fantasy Type-0 HD, a.k.a. Mike Vaughn, and you're listening to Final Fantasy Union. Hi everyone and welcome to another special edition of the Final Fantasy Union podcast to celebrate the release of Final Fantasy Type-0 HD. I'm your host Daryl and I'm here with Dan from Square Enix. Hello Daryl. Hello. And we're also here with Mike Vaughan. Hey Mike. Hey guys, how's it going? It's going alright. Yeah. Good. Not bad. Yeah, so we usually uh, talk about the weather at this point. Um, it's, it's it's getting quite hot in here actually now. Well, it's <laughs> it's it's later than we normally record. So I mean, it's, it's all dark outside, so there's not really much to see about the weather. But it doesn't seem like the weather's too bad. It's humid. Sticky. See, and that's yeah. and that's my fault. That's my fault because I told you guys um, I can record at you know one o'clock my time because I'm going to be hungover because I'm vacationing right now. So you know, had I gotten up early, you know, you guys would still be recording when there's some light out. So. I think we've got we we can accept that. Yeah, that's my, fine. That's fine. My bad. My bad. I never get a vacation, <laughs> so I had to had to do it. <laughs> I think if you're on a vacation, it's the you know it's the kind of thing you're allowed to do. Um, I don't think anyone's going to really judge you for it. It's it's you know I had always wanted to be an early bird guy, and I never have been. I, I am always... completely with you there. I just suck at mornings completely. <laughs> it's a lot harder than it sounds as well. It's like you know I just go to bed earlier, get up earlier. It's like nah nah, it yeah. doesn't work. <laughs> I get more productive as the day goes on for some reason. And then I just, in the morning, I just, I can't do it. Okay, so we're all kind of gamers and, you know, um, dudes and dudettes and all that. Do you think, uh, do you think maybe that we're all night people? Are there gamers that are morning types? I think sometimes if you play MMOs, you need to have a bit of dedication depending on when everyone's around. But... I don't but know. Never in the morning. Now, isn't that, oh, isn't, that, isn't, isn't that a matter of you just? Isn't that just a matter of you stayed up all night? And now it's morning. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. that's also a good point. <laughs> that's actually what I used to do. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good point. Actually, most of the people I know are night owls. I don't think I've that... ever met a gamer who's like, I get up early in the morning. I don't think I've ever games. met that guy. Yeah, I get yeah. I get up really early to play games. It's like no, yeah, it's usually yeah, yeah, you stay yeah. up playing games. You forget to go to bed. Yeah. Well, then this just worked out swimmingly. That sounds like a good study for like Harvard or someone to do. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> good use of their time. Our gamers, night owls. I know that That's they're right. statistically better multitaskers. Yes. Yeah. And problem solvers. Yeah. Among other things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Generally better people. Yeah. We're just, we're just amazing <laughs> at everything. <laughs> I wish I had more time to play games. I really do. Oh, uh, yeah. That's it, yeah. right? Living the dream. Well, you right get there. older and... You know, you do the adult things. It's like, okay, I'm going to play games. Oh, no, I'm not. It's bedtime. <laughs> yeah, that's five hours gone. And yep. I can't justify any of it, really. Yeah, but you know what? I, re- I regressed a little bit. I tried to bring my childhood back. I went and uh, I coughed up for uh, a new console system and an HDTV. And I turned my studio into half man cave. So nice. I can play. Nice one, I can yeah. play when I have time. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say when you said you were grassing your child, I think you're just going to tell us you went to Disneyland. Mm. <laughs> no, I I have gone to Disneyland as an adult, and I I just think adults that go to Disneyland without kids are kind of creepy. So what? I don't want to be that guy. What? No Ruining way! Yeah. Right no way! Disneyland's amazing. 
for no. adults and and kids. No, yeah, not, as long you as you don't go yes. on your own. Wait, does it count if you've been to Disneyland when you were younger and then you want to go back to experience it again, or just like first time adults? I'll accept that. I'll accept that. And uh, yeah, if you if you're going back to relive your childhood thing, I also think you should take a child with you. We take our friends, even kid. if they're not. If you, even if you, you don't know them. That, isn't that, <laughs> yeah, isn't that yeah, more yeah, creepy yeah, take that you take yeah, someone yeah, else's nice. kid? Yeah. Well, you know, you gotta you gotta do your good deed for the year, right? <laughs> And um, but there are uh, sometimes you go to Disneyland and you can see um, you can see these adults that have all these pins on them, right? And they are hardcore. They're there all the time, and they don't have kids, and they're in their like fifties. So it does get a little weird. Yeah, those pins are like super collectible as well. Like some of them are like worth quite a lot of money, I think. I'm not. I I don't know the specifics. Speaking from experience, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I blew my life savings on one. I'd like to to five pounds. You you don't sound like a guy that's going to go every weekend. So I, I think you're in the club. It would be quite difficult. Yeah, why not? I wish <laughs> I, I could afford to. go to the one in Paris. If that... I could afford to, I might consider it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Actually, I, I probably wouldn't. If I had that kind of... Well, actually, if I had that kind of money, maybe I wouldn't need to do much else because that would be quite expensive. You would need a job at ABC Disney and then, you know, you'd get a discount on the passes. You'd be fine. Or just work there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then that, that would take all the fun out of it. Would it? It looks like they have a lot of fun. And that's true. The yep. character actors. You'd see where the sausage is made. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where we're going with it. <laughs> I'm just going to bring this back around, right? <laughs> so yeah, um, Mike has uh, been in voice acting for quite a few years now, and he's uh, been in quite a few different games as well. So you might recognize him as Iggy Cooper in the selection of Mario games, and also Spider-Man in Web of Shadows, but... As a little fun fact, in a recent release, he also plays the voice of Scabs in Sunset Overdrive. And even more recently, he also voices King in Type Zero HD. Final Fantasy. Hey, hey, hey. Sorry. Fun facts. <laughs> Branding. What, what? Branding. I, I said the name slightly wrong. You did? Oh, yeah, he didn't say the Final Fantasy part. Can you believe uh, that? This yeah. guy's supposed to be a professional. It's a wrist slap right there. Yeah, jeez. Well, good. That's on you. So. <laughs> yeah. If you're listening to the show for the first time, just a quick message to let you know that it's part of a podcast series called Fun Fantasy and Kinemarts Union, and it's presented by the Gaming Union Network and Square Enix. It's going to come out on the iTunes store, funfantasyunion.com, and youtube.com forward slash ffunionvids. So I think we're ready for some questions now. All right. Let's do it. What do you guys want to know? Well... We have a question here from Final Maxstorm who wants to know, what's it like voicing the most useful character in the game? <laughs> I didn't know he was useful, and I'm, I'm happy to hear that. Um, it, was, uh, it was challenging and a different experience from my other game sessions. So just like quick background, a typical video game session um, for me has been you go to the studio, super nice people all around, as always, and you get a... Uh, giant lcd you know lcd monitor in your booth and there's a there's just like a spreadsheet with your line in it and there's very little context and you pretty much know who your character is but they'll give you the voice director will give you like well he's running or he's punching or he's trying to get out of there and then you say your line in that context so there's kind of a little bit of improv involved but it goes quick and so you say the line you know three different ways and you know if they like it great, you're on to the next line. If they want it differently, you do another set. And so, for instance, with Spider-Man, I guess I was doing 300 lines an hour, maybe, or for the two-hour session. I don't remember, but it went fast. So then Final Fantasy, which I didn't know it was Final Fantasy on the first session. I didn't know what it was, because they keep it very, very secret. 
um, which was kind of fun. So I get to the studio, super nice people. And again, same thing. I've got, well, this time it was an iPad um, instead of a script. And they get were just a bit more tech savvy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was, it was actually really cool. It opened my eyes to like how awesome that iPad is. And they, <laughs> the, the line would just be sitting there in front of me. And then the, L, the LCD monitor in the booth had the visual of King. And they had the, um, the original Japanese voice in there. So now it was a real challenge because I not only had to match the emotion, I had to match the timings. And this was the, one of the first times I had done this. And I had so much fun trying to do it. And they had, it was, I guess, bigger session than I thought. There were people in Japan monitoring the session. And they were fitting in my lines as I was standing there in the booth. So instead of just going line, 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 I would do the line and they would go great hang on and then you wouldn't hear anything for a few minutes just dead silence and they were in behind the scenes they were fitting it in and making it work and seeing if it worked right there on the spot with the visual with people in japan like so much going on in the background and then you're all tired and you know like oh i gotta sit down and then it's like okay next line and you gotta ramp back up your energy and do it all over again and then they go great hang on and you sit down. So instead of a two-hour session, I had full four-hour sessions. And every time I left uh, the session, I was like an old man getting in my car. I'm like, oh, I got to figure out how to stand properly. My back's killing me. Oh, dear. It was really funny. But I, I, it, was such a, it was such a different challenge. Um, but I loved doing it. And I had no idea. I, had, I really had no idea what the project was for the most part. Everybody was really quiet about it. It was funny. It was really funny. I was going to say, just on the on the whole pause between lines, like, what did you do during that that break? Did you just kind of, yeah, just sit down? <laughs> so the first down. session, yeah, I was just kind of standing around. Um, after a while, the breaks were long enough that I could like pop on my phone and read my emails. <laughs> um, and then there was like a little sketch pad in the in the booth, and another voice actor was doing some incredible art. Um, on this little sketch, this little electronic sketch pad. Do you know who it was? Yeah, it was Gideon Emery. He was doing these oh, okay. incredible sketches, and I'd come in and see him. I'm like, that is awesome. So I would try to do something, and I'm I'm a terrible artist. And then it became, you know, then I brought and then I bought an iPad, brought my own, and then I was reading and doing stuff while I was waiting. But I wanted to keep my energy up, so I didn't want to sit down too much. And that's what that's what made my back kind of go, whoa, dude. <laughs> that was a long day, but I am not going to complain because those guys producing and directing the voice talent. Oh my gosh, they worked. I, I, I couldn't do what they did. They did 12 hour shifts, six, seven days a week. I mean, it was unbelievable. So is that so, you uh, backing out of a crew in an ADR direction? I, I love to direct voice talent and I do do that. Um, I don't do it in games. I do it in animations and commercials and other stuff. But yeah, I, oh, those guys have a stamina and a, and a drive that I don't think I would have. <laughs> I really don't. I love right, cool. I love directing voice talent, but I, they're they're much they're much more patient and better at it than me. <laughs> cool. So you've had quite a few different roles in your career, you know, amongst the uh, the titles that Daryl mentioned early on. Mm-hmm. Um, how does getting cast as King, you know, differ all way up to all your other kind of roles? Well, getting cast, um, it's actually almost all the same um getting cast is we get um we get a giant packet from our agents over email and it says find the characters you're right for and send them back to us and that's our audition and they all do that 
the Final Fantasy was not called Final Fantasy, so I didn't know what it was. Um, it was called something completely different. And even the character names weren't really accurate, and you don't know what you're doing. There's no context. And all games are like that. But sometimes they reveal more of the background and the characters. And then you literally do it from home. You email it to your agent, and that's it. And if you don't hear anything, you may have done a bad job or you may have done a good job, but you just weren't a right fit. You have no idea. And then when your agent calls and says, hey, are you available for this project? You go, ha ha, I did a good job on that audition. And you pat yourself on the back and you hope that your schedule lets you go in to do it. And you go in and do it. And that's how that works. And it's usually about a 1% booking ratio in my category. So if you're booking one out of 100 auditions, you're doing pretty good. Wow. And that, yeah, that's how crazy it is. And video games, I'll submit no, no fewer than three characters in one project, but hopefully more. Because they can get up to three characters in one session, three different voices, and still, you know, and still be in, in within the contract. King was different from other characters in that he was he already had a depth that maybe some characters don't have. In that, you know, he's already he already exists in Japanese. You know, he's already there, and so I'm doing the American version of him. But I still have to know what is he thinking, what does he want, who's he talking to, all the actor questions. So he really wasn't super different other than he was a lot more developed when I got a hold of him. Hmm. Does that mean that you kind of felt that you had to kind of replicate someone else's performance or would you try to take, you know, put more of your own spin on the character? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Um, there is there's replication in terms of technical um, specs. So I have to replicate him as far as fitting the time that I'm allowed to have because he, he fills up a certain amount of time. So technically, I got to get it in time. As far as replicating his emotion and all that, it's never going to happen. I'm not, I'm not that Japanese actor. I don't know what he was going through that day. I don't know what his techniques are. So I did get great direction from Bob and Dan, I think, if I remember correctly. And they were saying, you know, here's what happened. Here's why he's saying what he is. Here's what he's going to do. All those little clues make me go, okay, then if I feel like this, let's just see what comes out of my mouth. Boom. There it is. Voice acting is just acting. So if you really feel it, you don't really have to do much with your voice. It's just going to come out. And that's my technique, at least. So it's half me and half replication. On that note, I mean, which do you prefer more? Because obviously you've done a lot of on-camera, on-voiceover work. Do you, do you have a preference of one over the other? <laughs> you know, I, I would have I lied a couple years ago and said, no, I like them both equally. Honestly, I love voiceover. I love it. I'm, I'm a spoiled, impatient, kind of jerky guy. And I've been on sets where I sit around all day doing nothing. And I get so mad when, you know, they call me at eight in the morning and they don't even shoot me till five at night. I'm just, uh, I'm too impatient for on camera, to be quite honest. I love it. I love doing it. I love the results of on camera, but it's, it takes a little more time and energy that quite honestly, I would rather slip in a booth and get right to it, you know, and the challenge of voiceover to me is there's a little bit more to it. For me, I mean, you could, especially games. Games are my favorite challenge because you, you could say one line 20 different ways, you know, and that's, that's the fun of playing with it. So honestly, I would love, I, I'm going to continue my career in voiceover. And my on-camera, my on-camera stuff has really slowed down quite a bit because all my energy goes into voice auditions and voice work. 
So I don't, I don't take the time to update my headshots. I don't actively pursue an on-camera agent. So yeah, just time. I'm committed to voiceover. I really love animation and video games. Those are, that's where my heart is. That's great. I mean, obviously you said that in the last couple of years, your opinion has swayed more towards the voiceover work. But when you were getting started, did you have a preference for one over the other? You know, I was so, I moved to LA in 2007 and I became a full-time actor very quickly because I booked some stuff and I got really lucky. I was so wide-eyed and sort of new at it, even though I was in my mid-30s, that I was just like, I would do anything. I was just like, oh, this is great. Oh, they want me for this? Great. Oh, great. So I didn't have a preference. I was I was having so much fun. Just whatever people want, yeah, let's do it. And then as as you start going down the roads, you learn um, you learn which projects are going to take more energy and not pay as well, and where more fun people exist. Like you learn these things and you gravitate towards what you love. Like I've really gravitated away from on camera commercials. Those drive me insane. You know, I just don't enjoy that process at all. But films and TV, awesome. Um, and then voiceover, I I don't do audiobooks. You know, I gravitated away from audiobooks. I did a I did a couple kids ones and characters and in, in some of them, but I'm like, nope, not for me. But I do everything else. So yeah, you you sort of just do what feels right and what's available. And you really, when your agent says do this, you do it. You really don't say no. Cool. So going back to Final Fantasy Type Zero HD. Um, I know we've you kind of mentioned earlier that, at least in the beginning, you're really in the dark about the project, you know, what it is, who you're actually auditioning for. <laughs> yeah. But um, did you audition for any other characters? I suppose you might not have known who they were, but was, was King, I suppose back then you didn't know it was King, but was King the only character you tried to audition for? Yeah, like you really went for. King I, King I felt pretty good about um, submitting, but you never know. I did submit for other characters, and to be quite honest, I don't. You know, you don't remember the ones you don't book. You know, if you're yeah. turning in 100 auditions a month, you're not going to remember the ones that don't get noticed. You know, like if I submit, I submitted for other characters. I did not get booked for them. So to keep sane, to keep from feeling like you're rejected every day of your life, you learn to turn your audition in and forget about it. Like it's a it's a thing to keep you alive and not not go crazy. I've seen a lot of actors hang on every audition they send in, and it's so unhealthy because there's so many competitors and so many options out there. Like I said, the 1% booking ratio is real, and so you have, to, you have to learn to let it go. And so I let those other characters go, and I can't remember them. But, of course, my agent says, oh, you book this character. I go in. It ends up being king. Oh, yeah. Now I remember him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah. I like that guy. I suppose that's like a, it's a good philosophy for like just – general i suppose job applications right when you're applying for a job you shouldn't hang on every cv you, you hand in because yeah for the same reasons yeah it's just mentally unhealthy it's it's hard it, it's hard not to hang on to it because you know you really and it's so funny too the gigs you really want you never get and the gigs you're like eh, i don't care if i get it those are the ones if particularly in commercials in commercials the ones that you go eh, i don't care if i get it that's the one you book and the one you're like oh i really want to be the voice of at&t you never book it <laughs> like I was going to say, yeah, like, it must be difficult, um, especially like because obviously with this game, um, it was really under secrecy. But I'm sure that when you get some auditions through, you know what franchise it's for, you or know you what the character is, yeah, like you can figure it out. And then obviously you're just kind of like, it must be hard to have that same mindset for that because you know how big that would potentially be for your career. Yeah, I mean, 
I got excited about it when I knew it was, you know, happening. A lot of other projects you do and you're like, you overcome, you know, making it past the audition, you get the gig. But then there's a lot of things out of your control. I've done some animated series that never saw the light of day. And I had nothing to do with that. That had to do with animators and funding, you know, and no buyers or whatever. So you can't hang on to auditions you didn't get and you can't hang on to gigs you got because you never know if it's it may never see the light of day. And so you just you just kind of keep calm. So I think to like answer your question, it's exciting. But as you get older and as you do more of these, it's sort of tempered with, okay, let's see what happens. You, you can't get too excited about it. Cool. I, just out of curiosity, um, how long did it take before you figured out, you know, Final Fantasy Type Zero HD was, you know, what it was? Because obviously, you know, initially it was all in the secrecy. Did you only find out like at the very end when he said, oh, by the way, this is what it is? Or did you clock on like halfway through or something? Yeah, I think I think it was about halfway through. And uh, I finally, during one of our breaks, you get like these little five to ten minute breaks. Uh, we're out there and I'm eating the fruit and they're enjoying some incredible coffees and stuff. We're hanging out there and I go, hey, um, what is this for, by the way? And he goes, oh, oh, it's it's a new Final Fantasy that's coming out. I'm like, oh, whoa, cool. And I, I sort of had a clue because the audio studio had Final Fantasy posters up on the wall <laughs> as well. Subtle. So I sort I sort of, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I sort of was like, okay, maybe this is another one of those. But it was about, it was halfway, maybe a little bit earlier. But yeah, I finally just asked. <laughs> <laughs> it's one thing you never think to do, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, yeah, I think I had like four sessions or something with them. So four, four-hour sessions, a so 16-hour 16 hours recording. So, and usually, usually my sessions are two hours, two to four hours, in and out, and that's it. Hey, cool. I mean, on that note, like, what's been some of the weirdest experiences you've had when voice acting? I think the weirdest one was Iggy and Ludwig. That was all gibberish, no, no words, none of that, and I couldn't believe it. But I filled four hours of nothing but <laughs> just nonsense for four hours. It was unbelievable. Um, and they flew me up to Seattle and the whole thing. And it was a long time ago, but it was very, very strange. And I had auditioned for The Sims too, which was also gibberish. Like you don't speak. It's Simlish, uh, right? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like that. And of course, Iggy and Ludwig are animated and much crazier. But I, I ended up just basically making up my own words for IKEA, and and that's basically what came out of my mouth. So like IKEA furniture is kind of what I was going through my mind to get some sort of weird, weird <laughs> words out. So th those are always the weird ones. Um, but most sessions are a pleasure. People are so nice. You just, you just never know what the project is because you don't get a lot. You don't get scripts beforehand. You don't get much of anything. You just show up and do it. And that, that's also part of the challenge I like. But unfortunately, people in games tend to be really cool and really nice. So... <laughs> It's all quite ordinary. <laughs> yeah, there's no there, there's no drama stories, other than Carl Weathers once yelled at me, so that was fun. You got to work with Carl Weathers. <laughs> Carl Weathers directed me uh, in a game uh, a few years back, and uh, he was really so. We as voice actors are told when it's military and it's fighting stuff, you actually sort of calm it down because they're trained to be cool and level headed. Well, Carl Weathers wanted action, 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 <laughs> and he was getting mad at me because I was going through the lines really quick 
because I had just come off of Spider-Man. So I was I, I flew through lines. And he goes, slow down, Vaughn! And then he's like, more action! <laughs> and he was getting all riled up. And it was so awesome. And at the end, I, I did what you're not supposed to do, and I took a photo with him. Because, I mean, the guy, I think he's in his 60s, and he looks amazing. Carl Weathers, and he's man. Yeah, and he's a big, scary guy. and But he's so nice, and he was so fun to work with. It was just, that was that was fun. That was fun. Can I swear? Can I swear? I want to say what he really said to me. Am I allowed to use a naughty word? It depends what the naughty word is. It's the F-bomb. Uh, I guess we, yeah, can. Okay, we can let that slide. Okay, okay. Here's what, here's what Carl Weathers said to me. Slow the fuck down, Vaughn! <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, damn it. At the same time, you must be like, whoa. But it seems like this is so awesome. I'm kind of scared right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this is cool. Oh, but it's it not was cool. so awesome. <laughs> no, I loved it. I relished it. I was like, oh, this is... I, uh, that's when I knew I made it. <laughs> Carl Weathers swearing at me. Were you me. just like, Carl, uh, I didn't hear that. Could you, could you say that again, please? <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. It was so much fun. So, yeah, I love my job. I'm lucky. Oh, yeah, I'm sounds, so lucky. sounds awesome. Yeah, it's it's my job isn't isn't doing the voices. It's turning in auditions. Quite honestly, my job is giving out free samples. That's what I do. So when I book a gig like King, it's the icing on the cake. Now I can, you know, now I get some money. Hey, so. speaking of King, um, did you know that, you know, that Final Fantasy Type Zero has such a large and diverse cast of characters. I mean, there's 14 main, I suppose, characters uh, in Class Zero. Did you know that you'd be in such a big ensemble? No, I, I honestly, I kind of thought King, because he doesn't, as you pointed out, he doesn't, you know, he's not, he doesn't talk a ton. I, I thought he was kind of a sub-character. I, I didn't know his rank, his place in the world, um, which is sort of unique. Usually you know if it's a, secondary character or the main character or whatever i had no idea and my familiarity with um final fantasy i used to work with a guy at an ad agency who was really into final fantasy and this was back in the late 90s and he was really into it and he was talking about how complicated and um long the storylines are and how awesome it was and all this stuff and you know i didn't have a, a console at the time and i wasn't playing it i had no idea um, and then I had another interaction with it at Comic-Con in 2008. I have no idea what, what game it was back then. But, you know, I, I kind of know what the world is, but I haven't personally uh, dove into it. But um, the way you guys are talking about King, I'm going to have to. I'm going to have to get a copy <laughs> now and see, see what you guys like about him. It sounds fun. So what platforms what, – educate me, though. What platforms is it on? Because I was told – I was told a few different platforms in the session. Yeah, it's um, it's out on PlayStation Four and Xbox One. Yay! I got a PlayStation Four. Nice. Okay, done. So, I mean, on the on the note of having such a large cast of characters, have you had the chance to meet any of the other cast members? Uh, yeah, but we don't. So more and more, we don't see each other anymore. I see the names on the games, and yeah, I know them. Um, when we go into our agents' offices to audition for certain projects, and you know. A few years ago, we used to have to go in for a lot of stuff, and we'd see each other and get to know each other and all that. We see each other in um, on-camera classes or improv classes, and I have some good friends that I love to call. But now we do everything from home, and we do it fast. And so we're becoming very, very isolated very quickly. And that's the biggest complaint with voice actors now is that they feel alone. You know, they're not directed. Um, We're just kind of sitting in our houses a lot 
And so it's nice to get out and, and meet these people. But you see the same names and then you go to a union meeting or you, you know, you do an event or something and you, you see them and it's great. It doesn't happen um, often. Um, I think, isn't Kat Tabor on this? I see her all the time. Uh, Courtney Taylor, see her all the time. There's certain, there's certain people I see and run into and really respect and honor to be, you know, either auditioning with them um, or in a project with them. But we go in separate and ensemble reads are sort of, they barely do them in animation uh, anymore. But games is definitely one person at a time. And like I've seen Steve Bloom in passing <laughs> and I see him at meetings, but <laughs> that's about it. So it just, it just depends. We're, we're so lonely. We're so lonely. <laughs> so I don't suppose you've got any funny stories from recording for the game. No, they, it was, you know, other than my back, my being the old man that walks to his car at the end of the session going, Oh, I can't stand anymore. Um, no, there weren't. They were so nice. They were so nice, and they were so mellow, um, just trying to get through their 12-hour day. I wish there was a funny story. I really do. Uh, no. no. The, the worst thing I did was a different game, and my character gets killed at the end. He gets a machete to his head, and they wanted that effort, and I didn't want to fake it. I really wanted to feel it, so I exhausted all my breath. I did everything, and <clears throat> down came the the thing, I made my noise, and I came to, and I was leaning against the wall. I had blacked out for like half a second and hit the wall. And they're like, are you okay? I'm like, yep, all good. You didn't see nothing. So, so. Yeah, yeah, I went for it. I went for it. <laughs> and so that's always fun when you really get into it. Yeah, I hear the coffee machine's quite something, though, in the, in the recording studio. Oh, yeah, I brought that up. I, the, yeah, when we would have our little breaks. It was Skylark Sound that did um, did the session, and uh, they they had this. It looked like something out of Blade Runner. It had like all these tubes going everywhere, and all these different button selections. And basically, you could just pick whatever coffee version you want, and it would just do it. And my sessions were usually at night, so I didn't partake. But um, Bob, the voice director, did. And just watching that thing go to work was hysterical. I don't know where they got it. <laughs> I have no idea where they got that machine. Just as the last question, um, what's your favorite bit about doing voice acting? Oh, everything, to be quite honest. I love the challenge of trying to figure out, you know, what, who is this person? What do they want? What's happening? I love the challenge of building this world, helping to build this character, build this world. And... Of course, I love getting the gig and I love being able to, you know, pay my mortgage and all that. But then when the game comes out and you get and you see somebody put a clip up on Twitch or YouTube and you can see what you did and how your little bit fits in and helps create this world, it's quite it's quite a reward, you know, and it's not even an, it's not so much an ego thing as it is like, you know, I have my game system on surround sound for a reason, you know, I want to be engulfed in this world and then to have helped build that is is quite an honor and and really really fun no i can and, i can definitely relate to that yeah and like it's not it's not a regular job it's not for everybody because there is zero job security you you could not book for months you know and if you don't have a good uh support system or you know a decent amount in your checking account to cover when you don't book it's a rough gig 
it's a real rough gig. But if you can be an adult about it and have a little bit of a producer brain and keep a good sense about you financially, then you have the freedom to be a full-time actor. And it's very, very freeing and very, very fun. So I don't have a, I don't really have a boss. And uh, I guess my boss is me and my boss is kind of a jerk. He likes <laughs> to sleep in and dork around on the internet too much. So. Sounds like a pretty cool <laughs> boss. Yeah. <laughs> I think most people would like, like a boss like that. Yeah. Voice acting is just fun because um, you got to create, sometimes you got to create uh, a full character pretty much out of nothing. You know, you're not using your visual likeness. You're not using expressions. You got to use your voice to convey all this stuff. So it's fun. And it's really just, I don't, I don't, I haven't taken many voiceover classes. I've taken a lot of acting classes and improv classes. And then I just apply those techniques to voiceover. Because voiceover classes are basically that. They just, you know they're just not as focused on the acting as I would like. I like it to be all about the technique and that stuff. And then I can figure out how to apply it in the booth because I'm kind of nerdy. I'm on like my fifth booth right now that I've built and I love the one I've got now. So I'm, you know, you gotta, if you're going to be a voiceover person, you have to be an actor and an audio engineer and a bit of a computer nerd. So what's been the, the, uh, the latest modification for your current booth? Oh, 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 you got another hour? Um, I converted my attic in my house into a full studio. I added heat and AC and walls and angled rooms and all this stuff. And I moved my old studio up into the new one, and everything that went wrong went wrong. My inbox went dead. My software went bad. Cables went bad. Everything that could have gone wrong went wrong. And it took it took two months longer than the one weekend I had hoped it would take. And when I finally got it done, uh, which was last fall, I have a full, like, almost pro setup now. And so I have I have all new everything. I particularly like my Sapphire Pro uh, DSP because it's FireWire. So it's got less latency. Uh, I have Source Connect so I can patch to other studios. Sometimes I don't even have to leave my house for a full session. I added a 416 microphone, which I love. Uh, preamp, and then I just got this seriously $125 compressor. It saves my ass every time on video game auditions because when you're quiet and you're being intimate in a scene, you know your your levels are really low. And then in a video game audition, you usually have to yell and scream. Well, that's hard to balance out. That's extra work. This compressor takes the low stuff, brings it up, takes the high stuff, and brings it down. And I've got a nice sounding level file. That 125 bucks on that compressor has saved my life. It is amazing. So I recommend everybody who auditions for video games get that. So you can do it with software, but it's not as good, in my opinion. Good advice. Pro tip. Yeah. So see, see, you have to be nerdy. You got to be an audio engineer now, too. <laughs> a lot of my older actor friends aren't into it. They discover how much work you have to do to put out an audition, and they're like, eh, no thanks. <laughs> Well, less competition for you, I suppose, in a way. Uh, no, there's always more because now you can submit from anywhere. So you can submit from Texas and Florida and New York and wherever. So, you know, 10 years ago, you pretty much had to be in L.A. Well, now they're taking submissions from, you know, outside. And so the numbers increase. And I always say there's a lot of, there's a lot of competitors, but not a lot of actual competition. So if you're not trained as an actor and you're not experienced in games... Sure, they get a thousand 
I've heard they get a thousand auditions for every character. Um, but there's really only a couple hundred that they're going to be interested in. So your real, your real number of competitors is low hundreds, even though they're getting low thousands submitted. So it's not that, it's not that bad. So it's not as bad as the guy who just auditioned for Star Wars, right? Who's going to like 60,000. <laughs> they had 60,000 auditions? I think so. It was like the, the open casting call where it's just they're hiring one person. Well, here, here's a funny note then. Um, the receptionist that used to work at my first voiceover talent agent's office in L.A. Uh, is Jessica Sherman. She was just the receptionist. Now she's one of the people that works for April Webster Casting, who did the Star Wars movie. She worked on the Star Wars movie. So that's another piece of advice. Be nice to everybody at your agent's office because you don't know where they're going to end up. Dang. <laughs> so yeah, well, uh, she was... thanks for taking so much time to speak to us, Mike. Sorry I talk so much. That's fine. Talking's good. This is what we're it's here fun. for. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are fun. You guys are a fun bunch. You just you just sit there and let me ramble oh, on. I feel thanks. bad. I feel like a jerk. I hope I didn't bore you guys too much. No, not at all. No, this is really interesting stuff. It's like, it's definitely stuff that I've never really heard before. I mean, I know nothing about like what it's like to be a voice actor. So this is all really interesting or stuff. Or that Carl Weathers was a, a voice acting director at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't know that either <laughs> until he was there. <laughs> yeah if you're listening please be sure to check back in the future because we're going to have more type zero hd interviews coming out and uh yeah thanks again for speaking to us mike thank you guys